0: Hello, family. Once again, welcome to another episode of the One Word Podcast. I am Pastor Iron Petrie, and I am so thankful that you have chosen to take time out of your busy schedule, uh, take time out of your busy Friday to join us for this midday podcast. Now, this podcast is strictly set up to be a midday pick-me-up of time spent in the Word of God uh, gleaning from the Word of God and teaching the Word of God to edify you, to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and to maybe equip you even and arm you with some things that perhaps you you need for the journey ahead. And uh, this podcast will be no different than any other. And so we're going to be continuing on what we've been talking about, having a sound mind. Uh, I don't know if you guys were able to catch the um, the first podcast on this on last week and it was re aired actually yesterday evening as well. If you missed it, you can go back and and you can find that podcast and listen to it in your own time. But we started talking about having a sound mind and we talk we started talking about defeating negative thoughts and negative emotions and dealing in the thought realm, dealing with what the enemy does in our minds. And you know, of course we live in this day and age in which we're talking a, a tremendous Amount about uh, mental health and mental uh, overall mental stability and, and what people are dealing with and and life is tough. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of reasons to stress. There's a lot of reasons to have anxiety. There are a lot of reasons to to walk around in a tremendous amount of fear and dread. But God given us the answer because He's always ahead of the game and because. He is ahead of the game. We can live in victory, and we don't have to succumb to these things and be overwhelmed by life. And so we've been talking about having a sound mind, and if you found last uh, week's teaching a blessing, I pray this week's teaching is going to be just as much of a blessing to you, but go ahead and share that with family and friends. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, if you're part of the CNC family, if you're watching this, go ahead right now, if you're tuning in, and share this with your, your family and friends on your own page, and let them know. Uh, that you are tuning in and that you are listening to the One Word Podcast and you would like for them to do so as well. So now let's get off into this. Let's let's jump right into uh, the subject matter. We know that our foundational text that we use to talk about this is found in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. Everyone knows just about it in the kingdom, but I'm going to repeat it just in case there are those who do not And it's recorded there where it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity or dread or cowardice. That God's not the author of cowardice either or or us being uh, reticent and fearful. But he gives us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we've been focusing on that third one in this series of teachings, on having a sound mind, how to have a sound mind. Now, what does it mean to have a sound mind, just to give a a brief recap of last week? It means to have a disciplined mind. It means that I don't just let anything come in and out of my thought life, that I regulate and moderate my thoughts. You say, Pastor, can I really do that? Oh, yeah, you can definitely do that, but it takes the Word of God to do so. And we use the example of of like a a security team member or a bouncer at a a VIP event of some kind where they have a manifest of all of the VIP guests, and they use that manifest, they use that guest list as the opportunity to vet whoever is coming in to the VIP event. And so you have to use the Word of God just like that manifest in your life. You cannot have victory in your thought life through willpower alone. You cannot have victory in your thought life through just relying upon the fact that I'm a good person and that I I'm, I'm, I'm I have good intentions, I have good motives. That's good. All of that's wonderful and commendable. But if you're going to have real victory in your thought life, You're going to need an authority by which to check the thoughts that come into your mind. And the way you do that is you take God's word and you use God's word to moderate your thought life. And you check it, just like when they stand at that door and they say to that person, you're not on the list, sorry, you can't come. You take God's word and you say, no, devil, that's that's not what God says about me. That's not what God's word says about my situation. That's not what God says about my life and what's possible for me. So I won't accept that thought. Any thought that is not on the manifest, we reject it. Amen. Any thought that's not on the Word of God or in the Word of God and agrees with what God has said is something we reject. And this is so vitally important because as a pastor and as a minister, and I've been in ministry now for a really long time, a little over 20 years, actually. I started in full-time ministry in, in August of 2000, it's when I left a secular job, came into ministry, started to assist my brother in pastoring and traveling with him and going places and, and ministering the word of God. And so I've been at this a while and I've been around people a while and I've seen a lot of, of uh, Christian conversation. I've, I've been in green rooms, I've been in, in restaurants, I've been in hotel lobbies, <laughs> I've sat down and talked with people over the course of time. And you run into people a lot of times who come up to you and say, You know, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me because, man, I, I, need, to, I need to get my life together in some er- area or another. And that's every one of us. That's been all of us in some area or another, and probably still is us today in certain areas of our lives. No matter how mature we become in Christ, there's always some things we need to pull together. <laughs> Amen. We have to, have to pull it together even tighter. And so people will say to you, You know, Pastor, pray for me. I need to, I need to get my life together. And, you know, when I was younger in the faith, I would pray for the people and I would really, and I still do, of course, but I would pray for them and and I would think that prayer in many ways was the thing that they needed. That that was the boost they needed. That was the power they needed made available in their lives. And we know that prayer does that. But as I've grown and as I've developed in the faith and as I've come to take God at his word, I've come to understand that when a person says, I need to get my life together in whatever particular area. You can't get your life together if you can't get your thoughts together. You can't get your life together if you can't get your mind together. And, and what most people don't realize is when they talk about getting their life together, they're really talking about developing a sound mind. Because before that life of yours comes together, before the relationship starts to line up, before the finances start to line up, before your physical health starts to line up, before all of these things start to come together, as we say, you're going to have to pull it together up here. You're going to have to pull it together in your thought life. I want you to uh, take a, take notice of something, and I'm pretty sure you've seen this as well. Whenever someone is really, really struggling with anxiety or fear or they're burdened in their thought life and they, they're they scattered, let's let's say it that way, that's the easiest way to say it, Someone is scattered in their thought life, scattered mentally. Notice how their life and their space where they live usually reflects the state of mind they're in. Like you're never going to walk into a person who is scattered mentally and their space be in order. (laughs) You know, we watch these shows on television and we see people in these instances where in some of these instances, whether people know it or not, some of these people are are dealing with demonic powers in their mind and in their lives where people are hoarders. And, you know, you've seen these people with, with, with trash piled up, you know, to their head and over their heads in their homes. They have to cut paths for themselves to walk through in the homes. The homes are infested with, with pests and rodents and all kinds of things. Well, see, that's somewhere, that's a person where... A person is living now where the enemy has really set up a stronghold in the mind. And if you are a person who's unaware of the spiritual realm and unaware of the activity of the devil and demons and evil spirits, you might say, oh, that, that's not so. But when you when you understand the word of God, you see that that's very much so. But it all started with a person having an undisciplined mind. Because the only way Satan can get a, a foothold in our lives is to come in us through our thought lives and get us into an undisciplined, very frivolous way of thinking. We just kind of let thoughts come in. We can sit there and we, we meditate on them. We think on them. We don't really take serious guarding the thought life because that's where the enemy tries to get in. So I'm going to take you guys a little a little further into this teaching today, and we're going to move into some some things that I think are important for you to see. And uh, if you're a note taker and you're able to take notes, this will be one of those podcasts to jot some things down, because I believe some of these statements that we're going to make here are rhema, and they will bless your life, and they will help you in dealing with uh, having a sound mind and dealing with your your conflict with the adversary so that you can have victory. But we're going to look at one verse of scripture here, actually maybe two, but the first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and it gives us some insight here that we cannot skip over when it comes to cultivating this sound mind that we need. And so it says, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, if our gospel be hid, he says, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now notice what Paul says. Notice the language Paul uses. He says if our gospel is hidden, if they can't see it, right? If, if, if it's hidden, it's hidden to those whom the God of this world has blinded their mind blinded the minds of those who believe not. Now the first thing that jumps off of the page that we have to understand when it comes to the importance of the thought life and the importance of our mind is that the way we think influences how we believe. Notice he says, because their minds are blinded, they don't believe. So my believing is affected by my thinking. My believing is affected by my thinking. If you can't get your believing right until you get your thinking right. I'm going to say that one more time. You can't get your believing right until you get your thinking right. If I'm going to, if I'm going to have faith, right? We talk about faith and we talk a whole lot about faith and we should. But if I'm going to have faith in God for my life, then I'm going to have to address the way I think about the areas in my life I'm trying to believe God for. And so many people attempt to believe God for things and believe God and trust God in areas that their thought life is too undisciplined to maintain. So... They, 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 they believe God, and they want to they, they wanna believe, and they want to believe, and they want to believe, but they never address the discipline they need to have in their thought life in order to do that because your believing is affected by your thinking. If you're going to think wrong, you're going to believe wrong. <laughs> there's, there's no way around it. You're never going to believe right and think wrong. If your thoughts are going to be left you're not going to be believing right, right? And you're not going to go right either. You're going to follow what's dominating your thought life. And so it's important for us to understand that if we're going to get a handle on our faith, even, our faith in God, walking by faith in Christ Jesus, right? We're going to have to get a hold of our thought life. And we're going to have to think the way God wants us to think. We're going to have to think the way the word tells us to think, because if my thinking isn't right, my believing's not going to be right. Another thing I want to tell you is this if God can't get you to think his way, he can't get you to go his way. Now, stay with me through this because these are just very basic, elementary statements that mean all the world in your life and mind. They mean everything, even though they're very elementary and simple this means everything. If God can't get you to think his way, he can't get you to go his way. If you can never think the way God wants you to think, you're never going to do or go the way God wants you to go. And this is where people get caught up in never-ending uh, prayer about a situation in their life. They're like, you know, oh God, oh God, and they, they, they really agonize. And sometimes my heart goes out to people because they agonize over in prayer over direction for their lives, and they agonize over what to do, what to do. But if you, if you do an examination, whenever people are in that agony, I know in my own life, whenever I was in agony or frustration over direction for my life, it's because I was wanting God's direction, but I was unwilling to think the way God wanted me to think about the situation. (laughs) I was unwilling to take his thoughts. I was unwilling to see it the way he saw it. I was unwilling to think about it the way he was trying to get me to think about it. But yet I wanted his direction. I wanted his counsel. I wanted his way. I wanted him to lead me, Lord. Lead me, lead me, Lord, in the way that I should go. But if if you're going to go the way of God, you're going to have to think the way he wants you to think. Because if he can't get you to think his way, He cannot get you to go his way. I want you to think about something for a second. How should you think about everything in your life? I want you to to think about that. How should you think about it? How should you be thinking about marriage? How should you be thinking about finances and management of money? How should you be thinking about the raising of your children? How should you be thinking about Uh, what you're going to do with your life. How should you be thinking about your career, your, your career prospects, your future? How should you be thinking about different aspects of your life? The universal answer for those of us who are children of God is I should be thinking according to God's word about it. That's how I should be thinking. There is a way you should be thinking. Now hear me, child of God, and this is a master key. Oh, this is a master key. You must purpose to think the way God thinks about or what God says about something. You must purpose to think in agreement with what God says about something, or you never will. Oh, I'm gonna let that sit on you for a second. You must purpose to think The way God says about situations, circumstances, and life itself, or you never will. You will never arrive at thinking the way God wants you to think without doing it intentionally. Number one, the devil's not going to let you. (laughs) He He is going to keep up more stuff in your thought life If you don't purposefully say, this is the way I will think about this. In any endeavor, in any situation or circumstance in life, you have to make the decision, God's word is how I'm going to think about this. Because if you don't make that decision to anchor your thoughts in what God says about it, it's like being a ship out at sea that's pulled up anchor. Well, you cannot control the drift. You cannot control the direction. You can't control where that, those waves take you, and you can't control how far they take you. You must drop anchor, and only after you drop anchor are you able to withstand the drift. And the same is true in life. And like I said, this is a master key in spiritual conflict and in growth and development spiritually. You must drop the anchor on the fact, this is how I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about marriage based on the word. I'm going to think about my finances based on the Bible. I'm going to think about my life and my purpose based on though I'm not going to sit here And just try to figure it out because you're not going to figure it out. You're going to drift. (laughs) That's what you're going to do. You're going to drift here and there. You're going to be drifting from one philosophy, one narrative, one teaching, one magazine article, one one tweet, one post. You're going to be drifting from one hearsay to the next. You're going to be driven, as the scripture says, with the wind and tossed. Until you drop anchor on, this is how I'm going to think. I'm going to think this way. And can I tell you, the word of God is the only thing that can anchor you that way. You can't even drop anchor on what your mother taught you. You can't drop anchor on what grandmama grandmama said. You can't drop anchor on a really wise, smart friend that's really close to you and they've always been there for you. You can't drop anchor on that. Now they have great intentions and there may be some things you can glean, but brother, when it comes down to anchoring yourself so that you don't drift, the only thing that can hold you in place is the word of the living God. And so you have to make a decision. Every believer has to make that decision. I'm dropping anchor here. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to intentionally do that. Man, I'm telling you that, that, that is worth its weight in gold, in life because a lot of times the reason why we get defeated is because we never dropped anchor on anything God said. Most of the time we get defeated because we never truly dropped our anchor on what he said. We 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 mentally assented to it. We thought it sounded good and oh yes God, I'm thankful for what you said, but we never dropped anchor intentionally only. We never went, boom, this is it for me. This is how I'm thinking. And the moment you do that, it grounds the thought life. It Once again, it becomes that manifest that you can now check things by. So you must be intentional about that. Now, this is important. Why? Because everything that you've done in life, good or bad, right, started in your thoughts. It starts in your thought life. And this is why this is so important, because... Satan war wars in the mind because he knows that's the birthplace he knows that's where everything's going to begin it's got to get in the mind it's got be's got to be it's got to be a thought before it becomes anything else because thoughts are living and thoughts are living things they're not dead things and what do I mean by that thoughts are really honestly like seeds right when you get a seed and you put it in the ground the entire genetic The the entire biology of that seed is to not stay a seed, but to grow up and become the plant that it's supposed to be. And so it starts. That process starts the moment it hits the ground, the moment the water's there and the conditions are right, boom, that seed is coming. And it's going to grow up into whatever it's supposed to be. That's the way thoughts are. Thoughts are never coming to you to remain thoughts. Oh, hear me. Thoughts are never coming to remain thoughts thoughts are coming to grow up into words and actions that's what a thought is that's what a thought is it's not coming to just stay a thought that's why it's very dangerous to sit around and just allow yourself to think on things that are negative because that thought that negative thought that self demeaning thought or, oh, I'm nobody and I'm never going to have anything or I'm never going to go anywhere or when will I ever have anybody or to sit there and dwell on that, to have a pity party around anything is a very dangerous thing and to, and to try to and just sit there and commiserate and sit there on the couch and turn on Netflix and go get you a, a tub of ice cream <laughs> and, uh, and sit there and you just commiserate and you just dump your sorrows in that tub of ice cream and you sit there until you just completely pass out in a, in a sugar coma from all the sugar, right? And go to sleep and you commiserate over, oh, woe is me. That's a dangerous thing to do, child of God. Now, now hear me, hear me out. And I say this in love and compassion, but you're on dangerous ground because those thoughts you're entertaining don't just come to give you thoughts on a Friday night when you had nothing to do and nobody interested in doing anything with you. That's not what that is. Those thoughts are coming to grow up into words and even actions. And they're coming to not only just grow up into actions, but they're also coming to grow up into mindsets and to grow up into a way of thinking and doing and being that will yield a result in your life that will match the sorrow you keep entertaining. So those thoughts don't just come to stay thoughts. They're coming on a growth track. They're headed somewhere. So this is why it's important for you to anchor the soul and the thought life in the word of God because just as those negative thoughts are growing up into something, God's thoughts will grow up into their something as well, if you would, they will come to pass. They will become God's thoughts planted in your heart. They will grow up into words and into action that will yield God's results. God's promises will come to pass in your life, but it begins in the thought life. It all starts in the thought life. So it's important for you to know this so that when thoughts come at you, you you don't see them as just innocent. You don't treat them like, oh, well, yeah, I was thinking that, but you know, you know, I was just thinking it. Yeah, you may have just been thinking it now, but if you continue to think it, that thought is headed toward maturity. And when it matures, it's going to become words, it's going to become language, and it's going to become actions and deeds and things you do. Nothing just happens, (laughs) okay? Everything, the beginning point, the incubator, if you would, is in the thought life. That's where it all starts cooking, That's where it all starts happening. That's where it all starts to progress into your life. So this is why it's important for us to anchor our thoughts and to to be strong about these things because we don't want anything getting started in our thought life that we don't want in our life. Because if it's going to get into your life, it's going to come through the door of your mind, your thought life. So now let's look at one other verse of Scripture, and it's going to give us some some greater truth on this. This This is in Isaiah 55, verses 7 through 9. And it says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon or forgive him. For my thoughts, this is God speaking, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Notice what God says to us. Now he's talking to the wicked. Now the wicked can be defined as the sinner, the unbeliever, but we can be believers and still have wicked thinking because wicked just means you're not thinking in line with God. We can. We can have thoughts and and thought lives that are not in line with God's will, God's plan, God's word. And so in that regard, our thinking is wicked, though we may be born again and have new natures in Christ, right? And we we are Christians, we're children of God, but our, our thinking can be wicked about certain things. And notice what God says. He says, let that person forsake his thoughts. Forsake his thoughts. Let him... Put his thoughts away and take mine. Take my thoughts about it. Take my thoughts about everything in your life. Hear this. You know when God is at work in your life, when your thoughts start to change. One of the functions, and and this needs to be said, one of the functions of the anointing, the Holy Spirit, One of the the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not just the manifestation of the miraculous. It's not just uh, healings, deliverances. we, We rejoice at all of that. We thank God for all of those things. But one of his works in our lives is to change the way we think through the word of God. That's one of his works. As a matter of fact, That's also one of the functions of ministry gifts. That is the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We come to service. We come to a meeting. The anointed ministry gift gets up and preaches the word of God. And when they do it under the anointing of the spirit of God, it is not just to give us a chill bump, it's not to give us a shout, it's not to give us a touch your neighbor 50 million times and tell them God said he's gonna turn it around. You know, you know it's, not, it's, it's not to entertain us, even though it might. It's not, to, it's not to do any of those things so much. Those things might happen, but the end goal, the end goal is to change the minds of the listeners so that they start thinking in agreement with God. Because when they start thinking right, now they start believing right. And when they start believing right because they're thinking right, they start receiving what is right. So they start to receive what God has for them. And so this is why, this is why when Paul was in, in, I believe it's Acts 26, when he's standing before King Agrippa, he talks about how God anointed him and called him to, to sent him to the Gentiles to turn them, he said, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God that they may receive an inheritance. And so Paul was saying, God anointed me to go to the Gentiles and to get them to turn. Well, you can't turn them if you can't change the way they think. You can't turn anybody unless people's thoughts are getting changed. If your thoughts aren't turning, you're not turning. No, It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter how people do all the things that we do in church. You can shout, you can sing, you can dance, you can run, you can wear a hole in the carpet from your seat to the altar. But if the thoughts aren't changing, you're not. Because it is when I start to think differently, it is when I start to think in agreement with God that things start changing in my life. And I want to say it in a practical manner this way. Everything that the Spirit of God does, he does to get you to see eye to eye with God. That's what he wants. He wants you and me seeing eye to eye with God. And the only way you see eye to eye with God is you start thinking about it the way he thinks about it. That's what the renewing of the mind is. That's what spiritual growth and development is. I start seeing eye to eye with God. I'm no longer looking at this marriage based on my feelings, my emotions, my flesh. My husband, my wife, what they're doing, not doing. But I start to look at this marriage the way God looks at it. I start looking at my life the way God looks at it. I see eye to eye with God on it. And when you start seeing eye to eye with God on it, child of God, guess what that's called? That's called faith. Because when you see eye to eye with him about it, you're going to say the same thing he says about it. And when you start saying the same thing he says about it, because you see it the same way he sees it, you're going to start having the same thing. Oh, I hope you're listening to this, man, because this is important. But it all starts, when you sing eye to eye with God, it all starts with you changing the way you think. Now, because the devil knows this, Satan works overtime with every Christian. Myself, yourself, everybody. If you, if you save, this is you. I don't have to know anything about your life to know what's going on in your life when it comes to you and what the enemy's trying to do. This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to negotiate. Uh, he's trying to negotiate with you to do something for him. And what the statement I'm about to make. If you've been around me any length of time, you've, you've probably heard me make this statement before, but I'm going to keep on making it because it's biblically, it's true. It's just true as can be. He's trying to negotiate with you. He is okay with Jesus having your heart if he can keep your head. I'm going to say that again. He is okay with Jesus having your heart if he can keep your head. He's okay with you being a Christian. Because at the end of the day, Satan is headed toward eternal damnation and judgment. He is going to get no enjoyment out of people going to hell. Okay? Because he is going to be thrown in the bottomless pit forever. He is not going to enjoy any of that. He is not going to derive any pride out of getting people to go to hell. Okay? He could care less. Right? But what he wants to do is he wants to rule. He wants to have influence. He wants to have influence here in this life, in this time. He wants to to be, and he is the God of this world system, but he wants to have free expression. And the way that he can do that is he controls the minds of men. So you can be born again, a child of God, have complete authority over him, but if he can keep authority and influence over the way you think, He will be happy with that because he knows if he controls how you think, the way you think, the way you see things, your imagination, your thought life, your mentality. If he controls that, then nothing you have inherited from Christ Jesus will ever become a manifestation in your life. He knows it. He knows if I can keep their head, if I can keep their thought life, I've got them. Even though they've escaped eternal damnation, they've escaped hell, they're on their way to heaven, they're born again, they're children of God, they have an inheritance in Christ, but if I can keep them thinking the way I want them thinking, if I can keep them thinking according to the flesh if I can keep them carnal-minded, if I can keep them thinking according to their feelings and their emotions and the culture and what's going on around them, if I can keep their minds preoccupied in everything in the external and never let them get their thought life lined up to where they're seeing eye to eye with their father, I've got them. I've got them. So they'll be Christians living like they're unsaved. They'll be born again citizens of the kingdom living defeated. He knows it, and he knows he can create this, this, almost this oxymoron, right? This, This existence to where here I have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, but much of my life is still looking like darkness. And he loves that. Oh, he loves it he loves for the believer to be living this this dual double-minded <laughs> almost like uh what's that those shows where they have these spies who are like double agents and all this different stuff he would love for you to live a life like a double agent he'd love for you to live life like a person who's born again but not witnessing the results of what it means to be in christ's kingdom because your thought life is still over here in the world system you still think about money after the world, you still think after the world about your body and your health, about your holiness and your purity. You, you're, you're sitting there reading the Bible and you hear what the word of God has to say about purity and holiness and living right. But you still read magazine articles that give you all of these alibis for why you should follow your flesh and do what you feel and do you and be you. As long as you keep your mind over under his influence, he could care less that you're saved. He could care less because he's got you by the thought life. (laughs) He's got you by the mind. And as long as he's got you by the mind, he's got a hold on your life that if you can't break that, if you can't change that, then you'll never see the full inheritance of Christ. And there's so much God has for us. Oh my God, there's so much God has for us. But the way we enter in is we've got to see eye to eye with God by bringing the thought life over into the kingdom with our new nature. This is why Paul preaches on the renewing of the mind. This is why the anointing on us to pastor and to teach and to preach the gospel, even on the other ministry gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, all of these ministry gifts are are anointed by God to pull the believer's thoughts out of the world to keep presenting truth to us until we change the way we think, until we're no longer living like we're still in Egypt, even though we've been delivered. And this is important, child of God, because Satan works overtime to negotiate this truce with you. He keeps working. It's almost like like Pharaoh. When Pharaoh let the children of Israel go, (laughs) he, uh, he tried to negotiate with the children of Israel. He told them, well, only go so far right? You can leave, but you can leave, but leave this here. You can leave, but don't go too far. And he kept trying to negotiate until, of course, God, all of those plagues, he had to just let them go and throw his hands up. And so it is with the enemy in our lives. Satan doesn't want you to bring your thought life into the kingdom. He doesn't want you to bring your thought life and drop anchor on what God's word says. He doesn't want you to be intentional in that manner. He, doesn't. he wants you to leave your mind with him. Leave your thoughts with him. Leave your emotions with him. And see, this is where as believers, this becomes a a real sticky place for us because, you know, God, (laughs) I'm I'm laughing because I know what I'm about to say and how it may affect you. God's not going to change your mind for you. That's not what he does. Nope, 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 nope. Bible tells me to be re- to renew my mind. It, it tells me that, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it puts the mind under my authority to do something with. And this is why it's such a, a struggle because sometimes we pray to God, God, oh God, take these thoughts. No. That's that's a prayer I can just tell you right now that's going to go unanswered. Because the Bible says to cast thoughts down. That puts the onus on you and me. Right? So I can't take scripture, jump over it and then pray God, you do it. No, no, no. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to meet with what the word says and you have the authority to do it. You have the power to do it. If God tells you to do something, he is not unjust. He's not telling you to do something you cannot do. He never puts upon us something we cannot do. He will not lay upon us anything we cannot bear. We say that all the time, but yet sometimes we don't act like we believe it, but it's true. So if he tells you, cast down the thoughts. If he tells you bring into captivity every thought, cast down the imaginations, the strongholds. If he tells you you can do that, that means you can. If he tells you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that is your attitude, that means you can. But it also means you have to. It's on you. So whether you see eye to eye with God or not is more on you than it is on God. What God will do is provide you the opportunity through his word, by his spirit, through ministry gifts that he sends into your life to minister to you, to pastor you, to teach you and so forth. But after that, you have to take what is presented and you have to do the work of lining my thought life up. Because you have to do it, because remember, if you can't think his way, you can't go his way. If you can't think God's word, you can't have God's word. Your thinking is what sets the track for your believing. You're not going to believe God's way if you can't think it. And so the entirety of my Christian walk is going to be consumed, large part, by renewing my thoughts and bringing them in line with God's word. Now, before I, I sign off on this particular episode, I want to go back and revisit something because I think it's worth repeating because, uh, like I said, I, I think it's gold. It's, it's, it's what you've, you've got to take with you. You must, on purpose, intend to think on God's Word and think on His way and think His way. You will not, you will not, and I'm going to say it again, at the risk of redundancy... You will not arrive at a place to where your mind is renewed and your thoughts are where they're supposed to be with God if you don't do it intentionally. You have to make up your mind, this is how I'm going to think. And the moment you do that, you start the process of moving forward into all that God has for you. You remember in the first uh, lesson on last Sunday, I mean last Friday, excuse me, I'm getting my days mixed up doing a whole lot of preaching. (laughs) But on on last uh, Friday, we talked about how you've got to see your thought life and your mind as a vacant lot, right? You can't leave that lot vacant and keep Satan from building a stronghold on it. You have to build your own. You have to build your own you have to intentionally build your own stronghold of thoughts based on God's word in your mind. You can't just leave the mind blank. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to resist the devil. And I'm going to resist him. And I'm going to resist those negative thoughts. And I'm going to cast down those negative thoughts and those negative feelings and emotions. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to think that way anymore. That's wonderful that you have that desire. But you're going to have to know practically, okay, now if I'm going to keep the enemy off of the real estate of my mind, I'm going to have to build my own house on it. I'm going to have to build my own stronghold on it. You're going to have to intentionally build God's word into your thought life. And once you fill up the real estate of your mind with God's word and you build God's word a strong fortress in your mind, see, now Satan has no place. See, that's giving no place to him. So now he walks all around. And you filled up the real estate of your mind with God's word. You fortified your thought life with the word of God. So now he's looking for a place to get in and it ain't in there. You see, that's what Jesus was like. That's how Jesus could walk in the earth as a man. We don't like to, we don't like to allow Jesus to be a man even though scripture tells us he was a man. But Jesus was a man like you and me. He had like passions like you and me. He had thoughts come in him like you and me. He was in the wilderness 40 days and nights, tempted on purpose by the devil, just like you and me. He hungered. He desired. He had appetites. He had thoughts. He was a man in a flesh and bone and blood body. He was a man, but the one thing Jesus had done from his youth was fortified himself in the law and the prophets, and he knew who he was. Yes, he was the divine son of God, but he was walking that out in this rotten flesh of ours. And so he fortified himself with the word. So when Satan comes, he says, it's written, it is written, it is written. I mean, he kept firing the word of God at the devil to where the devil just had to leave him, had to leave him alone because, because Jesus was so fortified. He had filled up the real estate of his thought life with the father's word. And therefore there was no place. And that's why Jesus could say, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. He has no position, no place, no position of opportunity. Why? Because Jesus was the word. He was the word made flesh, right? And he showed us what the word will do in flesh. I going will say that again. He showed us what the word will do in flesh. So that means we have this example now to look at ourselves and say, well, I'm flesh. But that not being an excuse to fail, I can take God's word because I've seen what God's word will do in flesh. I've seen what God's word will do if I put it in my thought life. I've seen it in my savior, the captain of my salvation. I know what it'll do. So I can take God's word and I can put it in my mind and I can be just as fortified against every negative thought, every negative emotion and the work of the devil and the methods of the devil against me in my life. And I can have victory. Man, I hope you've gotten something out of this today. I know this blessed me today just sitting here listening to this. These episodes, once again, are just for your, your, they're for your growth, they're for your encouragement, they're for your, your spiritual nourishment. And so if you found value in anything you've heard taught today, once again, share this with your family, share this with friends, tell somebody about this podcast and let them know the One Word Podcast is on every Friday at noon. And if they can't catch it because of work and different things, they can catch the replays in the following week. We'll always replay them on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. And so we want you to know what the Word of God can and will do for you. God bless you guys. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, go in the victory of God.